Here we go. Welcome to the church. Welcome to the Springs. I'm Peter. If you're visiting, I serve as the lead pastor. Hello. We are in week two of our All and Nothing series, which is our study in Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. The Apostle Paul wrote a passionate letter. It's my favorite letter. Here's the basic summary. All of our sin, your sin and my sin, has led to all of the destruction in the world, especially the part where we blame the other guy and we just keep doing our thing. All of our sin has led to all of the destruction and hate and bad stuff in the world. But the gospel, the good news, is that Jesus has done all there needs to be done to remedy that. He's paid the penalty for all of this so that all things could be restored to him and he would receive all of the glory. So just a little summary, a mathematical summary for you math people. If Jesus has paid it all, then what's left for you and I to contribute to the good news is nothing. nothing. Man, we're some good mathematical folks in here. All and nothing. Now here's the thing. Understanding that mathematically or assenting to that mentally, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. That's different than actually living a life that you have that knowledge and that knowledge is made fruit of in your life. My life shows that I thought I knew these things. I thought I knew all about the gospel before I actually knew. Isn't that crazy when you can think you know before you actually know? And my life actually showed the fruit that I didn't know these things. And so I'm going to ask you this, church. I'm begging you. As we enter into God's word today, can you lay down your assumptions? Because here's, here's the biggest thing. One operative reality is the biggest thing that prevents you from knowing something is what you think you know. So we're going to enter into God's word with bravery. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet to honor God's word we're going to be in uh, Colossians 1. We're still in Colossians 1. We're going to read 9, verse 9 through 14. Paul's writing this letter to this church who had so much faith and love. He gets excited about it, but he wants to, he wants to help them grow in it. Verse 9, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in good work, and increasing in the Everyone say knowledge. There's that word again. The knowledge of God. Verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. God's word. Thank you. Y'all can be seated as we pray. God, help us to reflect on your word carefully. God, I remember when I was manipulating people and doing what I wanted and using the little religious knowledge that I had to just justify all the sin that I was going through. And yet, in the darkness... You shed light on me. You had mercy on a hypocrite like me. 
And Lord, you're, you're wanting me to grow in that knowledge, just like you're wanting every soul in here, the ones who, who know you and the ones who do not know you. You've paid a price, all of the price for us to grow in that knowledge or unto that knowledge, but from that knowledge. So help us for your kingdom and your power and your glory. Amen. Our topic today, or our magic word, if you can go back to the 80s and 90s, the, I think that was like Pee Wee Herman's magic word. It goes, you, know, you say the magic word and everything goes crazy. The magic word today, don't go crazy, <laughs> is knowledge. Topic we said, uh, saw twice in this, it's all about knowledge. Verse 9, knowledge in his will with all wisdom and understanding. A few verses later, increasing in the knowledge of God. We're talking about gospel knowledge. Do you, do you have knowledge? Do you know the gospel? I remember about 10 years ago, I was listening to this one young man just agonizing over what he was convinced that he knew about the gospel. Uh, he was speaking out of an extreme insecurity and desire to prove himself for all that he knew about the Bible and the gospel. And uh, this young man had grown up in Mexico, and he had served in the church ever since he was a little bit little boy, and yet he constantly felt like he had to prove what he knew and prove the gospel knowledge that he had, instead of just resting in the knowledge he had, or, or what he thought he had, and bearing fruit from it. And at one point, I, I listened uh, and watched as this young man, Ignacio, confessed to his friend, he said, they think I don't know a boatload of crepe about the gospel, but I do, okay? So I kind of, you know, <laughs> modified that just a little bit. But here's the thing. Maybe, maybe you're like Nacho here. <laughs> this young man that I listened to, it was actually 11 years ago when I listened to him, sharing his heart, his insecurity. He's concerned about what other people think that he knows about the gospel. But you know what? We can laugh about him, but here's the thing. What about what you know about the gospel and what you think that other people think about what you think about the gospel? It doesn't matter what other people think you know. And here's the other crazy thing. It doesn't matter what you think you know. Because true knowledge of the gospel bears fruit in a life that pre pleases God. Period. It doesn't matter what they think you know, what you think you know. It matters the fruit of your life and what God does in and through you. And so I want to really carefully, I want to carefully go back through these verses, verse by verse, and ask a few questions about knowledge. Y'all with me on this? Yeah. We're going to ask question one, what is knowledge? This verse starts out, so from the, the day we heard of this, this amazingness in, in you as a church, the faith and the love that you have, we've asked that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We're going to get back to, for in, in, a, in a little bit, why is it that it's like they already had faith and love, but they're ask, he's asking for more knowledge. It would at least lead us to whether you know Jesus or you don't know Jesus, whether you think you know him or not, 
we can at least agree that this knowledge thing is important. No one gets to check out of this prayer. This was a prayer for Christians. Oh, you have faith and love? I pray that you would, you would have knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom understanding that you would grow and multiply. The Holy Spirit was very adamant that that prayer be prayed by a pretty important man. And that prayer is still being prayed and still being inspired today. Knowledge. What is knowledge? Sir Francis Bacon said, knowledge is power. And here's the thing. It is power. But, but the thing is, is knowledge in and of itself, if, if we just take it, pick it apart and cherry pick it, Knowledge can be used for good, powerful things or for bad, powerful things. Sadly enough, some of the the most wicked and hurtful people known around the world are known for having religious knowledge. Why is that? And And I'm upset about that, not just because I'm mad at those people, but because I know my own propensity to know enough about something to cherry pick it and do things that are ungodly. Why is that? That, that this knowledge, we, we, we are so uh, incautious with the knowledge of God sometimes. And so what is knowledge? You know, some people acquire knowledge just to win an argument. Other people uh, use knowledge to oppress or suppress people on purpose. Some people acquire knowledge for not good reasons and not bad reasons, but just for trivial reasons, like literally for like celebrity trivia and silly things like that to win games or arguments. But knowledge that Paul is talking about here, there's something very specific that we have to zero in on. Here's what I love about Greek that, that distinguishes the, the way this letter was originally written from English. English, we really only have one word for knowledge. But if you think about this little, little illustration, uh, Many of us, a crew of us, are going to Mexico next week. And in the Spanish language, there's two words. Mission team, have you been brushing up on your Spanish? Two words for to know. There is, I'm going to help you here, saber and conocer. So there's a clear distinction right in the etymology of the language between uh, just knowledge of information and knowledge personally of people. And that, that, those distinctions are also very clear in the Bible language, in the, in the language it was written in. And that's important for us to know. Knowledge, the word that Paul uses here, is literally the word epignosis. From the Greek word, one of the, the roots is the Greek word gnosis. But epignosis literally means precise and correct knowledge. Everyone say precise. precise. Everyone say correct the contrast of that is imprecise, sloppy, incorrect, and celebrating all those things with a big blanket of religiosity. Now, Paul, Paul even mentions that, that the other, another use of this word epignosis is uh, Romans 10. He's talking about how religious people and his own friends, it says he has, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Has anyone ever known anyone like that? Super passionate, but it's, it's not a zeal that's according to real correct and precise knowledge. I don't, don't give any awkward peripheral stares here. <laughs> that's been me. It's been you. How many of you know that it's extremely easy, tragically easy, to get super passionate about things that are seemingly good things, 
but not precisely, correctly, God thinks. We need precision and we need God to help us with correctness, with knowledge. And the, the context of this letter when it was written, this church had been around for a few years, they were growing, and yet with all this, this vacuum of knowledge and this interest, the enemy was trying to pick off that knowledge and send other ideas. Oh, you're, you're interested in Jesus? Let me, let me tell you some other things about Jesus. And there was a lot of what, what the Bible calls heresies coming into this church. Other new ideas about Jesus that were anything but correct and precise. Anything but what the knowledge is talking about in this letter. There was a lot of different things. Here's the things about, thing about heretics today. Heretics don't know they're heretics. They're deceived. That's, that's what deception's all about. It's when you don't know that you're being deceived. That's why it's deception. And it's every bit as dangerous now as it was in this, this beautiful uh, young church in Colossae. My wife, about two months ago, got a call from our bank. And uh, they, our bank just wanted to verify, hey, did you, have you been making these big uh, uh, purchases, transactions at Best Buy in Virginia? And we said, no, th- that wasn't us. And it was cool because our bank just you know, took care of that. I love that. We did not authorize those transactions. They had to check with the identity of who we were and the intent and the transactions we were making. How many people like to take the worth and the value of the identity of Jesus and make transactions with his name that he has not authorized? It's identity theft. And it might feel good. Oh, Jesus says this. Like, you know how Jesus says all roads lead to the same, you know, same place? No, he did not. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. It's identity theft. There's lots of people stealing his identity today to try to fit little pieces of what he's saying into the puzzle of what they're trying to create. But listen, Jesus is not a puzzle. He's a person. He, he is the same yesterday and today and forever. And he hears these lies. And he's every bit as angry about it as you are when your identity is stolen. It's not okay. You can have your own opinion about who Jesus is. But you cannot have your own reality because it doesn't change who he is. He is the same. We can't hijack the knowledge of God to make any other unauthorized transactions. He is, his identity is what's called immutable, is the old theological term. It's the same. He's, he's unchanging. There are no alternative facts that he accepts about who he is. He just stays who he is. And he goes on redeeming and saving and forgiving sin. We accept him for who he is or we reject him. And so many people are rejecting him with a blanket of heresy and deception, and they don't know they're rejecting him. That's how I grew up. And God, I pray that our identity theft would be exposed for what it is. Amen. Amen. See, only knowledge that bears fruit in a life that pleases God comes from the precise knowledge of the right Jesus, as opposed to the make-believe Jesus who has no power to heal and forgive sin. 
And precision is the key here because Paul was concerned for the Colossians and I'm concerned for us. The effects of this sloppiness aren't just imprecision theologically. It leads to life or death depending on if we're going to the right Jesus as revealed in his word and as revealed through the Holy Spirit who today can lead you into knowledge of who he is through his word. Epignosis, precise and correct, as opposed to sloppy, dicey, incorrect, heretical. But Paul, as much as I like to like define the words in my little uh, Greek concordance, I think the best definition of what this word means is the way Paul defines it in the text. So I'm going to go with you on this, and I'm going to take a little side note for a second. I just want to teach you a little nugget about how to read the Bible that's going to help you. You all ready for this? A small lesson in the New Testament language. The New Testament was written in Koine Greek. From my understanding and my opinion, there's two things about this form of Greek that uh, is very similar to English that we can understand today. That Koine Greek is in at least these two ways similar to how we use modern English. First of all, it's similar because of how it was, at the time, the most global language. It was the most global language, crossing different cultures and different, different ideologies. This language, this Greek, was used in all over the known world at the time, as opposed to something like, uh, like Arabic that is, is only really within one culture. Greek was like that. The other reason why Greek is, in my opinion, similar to English is the flexibility of the Greek, meaning that the, the, the words could be used in different contexts to bring uh, a different type of meaning. Similar to how I think English is the, is the, the beautiful, versatile language that, that hip-hop and rap came into and started in because of the versatility of our language. Now, it's as much as it's hard for little kids to learn, and we've got to learn all these rules, but it's the versatility of the language. You have to know in the Greek... And I'm going I'm to finish my point here. You have to know in the Greek the context of how it was written to understand really the meaning of the word. Now be careful there, because I said the context of how it was written. I didn't say the context of how we want it to be written, or how the context of how our culture is trying to rewrite it from time to time. You have to go and know the context of how it was written. So what does knowledge mean? And remember the question, and this is going to take the, time, the most time on this, what is knowledge question. The question is, what is knowledge? And I defined it for my concordance of pignesis, but check out how Paul defines it. He says, I pray that you would have knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. See, I love the clarification that Paul brings here. He says that this this type of knowledge that he's talking about, that I'm praying earnestly that you grow in, it's a wisdom type of knowledge. It's an understanding type of knowledge. See, knowledge from my understanding, it's all about what you should know. But wisdom is about how to apply what you know. Have you ever, in life, in direct, maybe, context of uh, knowing God's will for your life or what you're supposed to do with a big decision, have you ever known what to do, what you need to go and do, but not known how to go and do it? Has that ever been any of y'all? So Paul's praying here for specifically the type of knowledge that has all of that. All spiritual wisdom and understanding. And don't miss this word all. Paul's praying for a type of knowledge that you can't just go get. 
You can't just learn enough. He's, he's saying all wisdom and understanding, meaning that this type of knowledge can only come from the person who possesses all of that stuff and only can come through relationship. In fact, a similar root to the, the word used in knowledge is used in other places in the Bible. Like for instance, Abraham knew Sarah and they bore Isaac. That knowledge is an intimate knowledge. When we, when we have knowledge of God, we're united with him. We're so close to him that things that are not of him begin to fade away from our life and we bear the fruit of him. Not because we're trying hard enough, not because we're thinking extra hard, we got our thinking face on. It's because the knowledge of God washes us. You guys don't have a thinking face? Okay, I'll, next time I won't use that one. What is knowledge? It's a divine transcendent, relational type of knowledge. Question two, and I'm going to move faster here. What does knowledge produce? What does knowledge produce? Now, the answer to this question is in the question. And I'm going to read back through these verses and see if you can know the answer to the question. See if you can guess. What is the answer to the question, what does knowledge produce? Here we go. Verse 10 I pray that you would have this knowledge, this spiritual wisdom and understanding, verse 10, so, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So what does this type of spiritual knowledge produce? Well, it's a homonym in the question. It produces produce. It produces fruit. When you know God, it bears fruit. It bears produce. I thought, I thought a lot of people would get a lot more out of that one. All right, moving on. It bears fruit in your life. Knowledge that's from God changes you. It, you would live, you will live such a life that no one can go blame you for just trying harder. They'll look at you and be like, man, I know that dude. He's not like this. Mm-mm. He's not just trying harder. He's got something else, man. He's cheating. That's the type of fruit that you'll bear. It's not your own. So personal question alert. Make this as personal as you want it to be. Do you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, as Paul says here? Just ask yourself that. See, the point is, is Nacho Libre didn't have to share what he knew. He could show it. We could concern ourselves with the fruit of God. I love show and tell in kindergarten. But it's still all about show and tell today. Show and tell. It's not either show or tell but there's no telling without showing. What you're showing is telling. And so you better articulate and clarify. And you're not, you're not showing, God willing, your own best effort. The knowledge of God produces fruit that we're meant to show and clarify and tell and preach. We share our story. We share our two-minute miracle. We show it. We tell it. If I showed you an apple... You would never wonder like, hey, what kind of tree does that come from? Is that the type of apple that comes from an apple tree or like the ones that come from like a mango tree? No, if it's an apple, it comes from an apple tree. 
If you live a life that's pleasing to God, it's because he's done a miraculous work in your life. If you don't, it's because that work is still available to you if you would just die and rest in it and be resurrected unto it. One of the assumptions of this whole prayer is that this fruit is supposed to grow. You know, he, remember, he's, he's talking to people who already have faith and love, and he's saying, I pray that you would have this fruit and that it grows, right? Isn't that strange to you? Like, man, like you would think that Paul would be like, hey, you have faith and love, that's great. So send us an offering, and that's good. We're all good here. No, he says, you have faith and love, and I am praying that you have knowledge of all his will so it grows and spreads. See, he was all about the love of Jesus having a fruit that affected world domination with his love. That was Paul's prayer. And if you look at history, that sort of prayer defeated and disarmed armies for centuries. And that's still the thing that God is wanting us to lean on. So we don't lean on the Republicans and the Democrats to do what only his will will accomplish. He wants us to bear so much fruit that it spreads and overwhelms the enemy and overwhelms the sin inside of us. I talked to a guy a while back, and I, said, I told him I was praying for him, and he got really offended with me. So you, he said, you're praying for me? What, what do you think, that I just am such a mess that I need your prayer? I took a little time out. You see, he thought I was judging him. Because I was. I was judging that he, like me, needs more of God in his life, and that it's a fruit that needs to grow. And I'm judging the same for you. And I'm praying for you the same pray that, prayer that Paul prays here, that you would have, oh, you have faith and love. It's making my day. It's making my life. I love being a part of this church. And because I love it so much, I'm praying that you would have a knowledge with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so much so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing with him the fruit of God, so that we would multiply and spread and take over the world with his love. Because I'm judging that that's the sort of thing that we need. And there's nothing else comparatively that matters. It's the knowledge of who he is that bears fruit. Like any good tree, you're either growing or you're dying. You're either growing and bearing fruit or you're dying. Jesus says, just brace yourself, this is going to go hard here. Jesus says that a tree does not bear a tree that does not bear fruit should be cut down and thrown into the fire. Tang. Sometimes I want to be like, "Tang Jesus, that's strong." <laughs> it's true. Knowledge bears fruit. And I love how he, he talks about all endurance and patience and, and elsewhere when he writes to the Galatians, he, he, he gets the whole list in there. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Come on, y'all been reading your purple book. Yes. I love this. Knowledge bears fruit. What, is, what does knowledge produce? It produces fruit in your life. It changes. Now, as I get to this last question, I'm going to ask you to be super careful because 
What if your life isn't bearing this fruit? First of all, it's the Holy Spirit that can help you to be honest with yourself about this in the first place. Thank you, Jesus. But if you're not bearing this fruit, please examine this last question with me because I don't want you to be like, oh man, that's not what my life looks like, so let me really, really try hard. And you'll be like that apple tree really trying to be a mango tree or vice versa. Don't do that. That's fruitless. And if you are bearing this fruit, if you don't understand why and you don't understand this last question with a deeper growing understanding, then you won't bear as much fruit in the future that God has meant for you because you won't be resting in the God who is, who, who is there to, to bring that seed into fruition. So this last question, you all ready for this? A few people? Yes. How do I gain this knowledge? How do I gain this knowledge? Now, I'm not going to answer that question. The last verses in our passage are going to answer that question. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered, I love this past tense. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. If you're not bearing fruit in the knowledge of God, it's likely that you don't know God. But please, maybe there's some people in here that agree like, okay, I don't know God. Please don't turn from that and say, okay, I'm going to try to know God now. You don't qualify yourself. God qualifies us to share He chooses that even when you're an outright mess and you're faking the funk in your mess and you're trying your best to clean up your mess and you're like my two-year-old daughter who just spreads it around when she's trying to clean it up. Even then, God qualifies you. He chooses that he loves you so much where you are that he's not willing for you to stay where you are. He is willing to plant you to qualify you, to bring you life and light. I love this. Can you bring up the the all and nothing graphic that we have? I love how it uses light. God is responsible for all of the light. He he has translated us out of kingdom of darkness and into his marvelous light. It says here, we share in the inheritance of the saints of the light. That's verse 12. But don't miss the correlation between light and fruit from two verses before. Think about it. What, what does a plant need for life? It needs water and good soil. Light. How much credit can that plant take for all those things? Not much. Not much. God is the one who qualifies us and plants us. And my encouragement to you, if you don't know God, you can at least, you can at least pray. This is one thing you can do that a plant can't do. This is where the illustration breaks down. A plant can't say, God, help me, rescue me. And you can right now say, God, plant me in the kingdom of light. And you can ask him to help you to bear fruit. So I'm going to ask Kayla to come back up here. Can we all stand to our feet?
we're going to have a moment where we sing this last song and we do business with God. We're going to sing this old hymn, Jesus Paid It All. Now, he, made, he paid it all. Have, have you allowed the transaction to be complete? Have you allowed that payment to enter into your account? Have you deposited the check that he's fully paid for? He paid it all. He's the one who, who has paid the price to transfer us into the kingdom of light from the kingdom of darkness. The only thing that we can contribute to that is the need for that payment. So if, as we do business with God, I'm just going to ask you, can you, can you give your life to the Lord if you have not yet and say, God, I'm yours? If that's you, Pray that prayer right here. You can pray and God can save you. If not, if you're striving for other things, striving back to the things that you used to worry about and be anxious about back before you walked in the light, now is your chance to to release those things and remember what he paid for you so that you can be focused on growing and bearing fruit. So during this last song, do business with God and then I'm gonna come up with a few other things. Feel free to sing with me, okay? Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Sing that again. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. One more time. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow.
Lord, we thank you that you've paid all of the cost. And nothing we do can be added. You've paid enough for us to be added. So Lord, I thank you for the the, the people who've stepped into your kingdom today. In this moment, they have received you for who you are. Lord, we thank you. Amen. Amen.